Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me bezzy mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. Sarah, Sarah. Oh, web. <laughs> it's series two, series two, sophomore series of Reading for Attention. Oh, Everyone oh, knows oh. that the sequel is always better. Famously. Can you name any sequels that you think are better? Lion King 2. I don't think I've seen that. Chicken Run 2 is coming out. I know. Did you tell High me School that? High School Musical 2. I haven't seen that either. What the fuck? <laughs> I think Alien vs. Predator is the best out of the Aliens. <laughs> franchise mm, i have to disagree <laughs> i like scream 2 scream 2 is excellent scream one the latest the latest scream i went to go and see that in the cinema and it was shocking oh i haven't seen it yet i really want but to courtney cox and david arquette are on screen together and it, oh. it's and that they're on screen since they've divorced they're really nice to each other apparently yeah it was, i was like oh come on have a fight i know fucking hell oh it's so good to be back i've missed it- doing this I have as well. I felt my intellect slipping daily. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it had a long way to fall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, slipping daily, but it's still the IQ still at, what, 180? <laughs> did I tell you about doing an IQ test the other week? Yes, you did. And I've fallen into this exact same trap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been, it was midnight and I don't know why. And I just thought, I wonder if I've got a genius IQ. Spoiler alert, I don't. And I could have figured that out before I did the IQ test because guess what I did? I spent two hours doing an IQ test, got to the end and it said, just view your results, pay us. It was like $14 and I was like, fuck yourself. And it's like 2am. So that means I've got the IQ of zero. (laughs) Yeah, I remember doing the exact same thing. Then there's nothing. Who else would do an IQ test online at midnight other than an attention seeker? Just somebody who wants, yeah, a total narcissist who just wants some <laughs> sort of praise. But yeah, I've done the exact same thing. Um, what else have you been up to then in the in the weeks since our last hit episode? Well, Paul, I have a new job. Ooh. But I also have my old job. Why am I working 60-hour weeks, Paul? <laughs> it's not paying off I keep, I keep dropping it into every conversation that I have like I was at work the other day and then when somebody doesn't immediately say which one I'm like I was at one of my works the other day um <laughs> I, actually I went to the other one later on as well no one <laughs> gives a shit so I have to quit both of them I think and just go back to unemployment life because yeah I remember the Last time I had, to, like, I worked at Topman and I worked at Weatherspoons. And one time mm-hmm. I did Topman from eight till four or something. And then I did Weatherspoons from five till three in the morning. And honestly, I was so excited about the fact that yeah. I was doing this for that one day because I didn't think about how tiring it would be. I didn't think about how awful the day would be. I wouldn't have time to eat or anything like that. All I was thinking about was, <laughs> I can tell everybody about this. And then I went to Top Man, probably waited an hour and then started to 
you know, drop it into conversation. What are you, do- what are you doing this evening? Do you want to go for a drink? Oh, sorry, actually can't go for a drink because I'm working tonight. Um, unless you want to come and watch me at Weatherspoons, you know. Uh, and people are like, all right then. And then later on, I was like, oh, God, right, I might just go home. Oh, oh God, I can't go home. I've got to go to my other job till 3 a.m. It's changed quickly yeah, in, now in the back. Into my old life. Yeah, that's what I've started doing at work is when I go to my nine till five, I have to wear a blazer at the um, theatre. Mm. <laughs> and so I get the blazer out of the bag that I've carried it to work in and hang it over the back of my chair. Genius. Isn't it? Yeah. Because obviously I don't want it to get creased throughout the day. Well, that's what I want everyone to think. Uh-huh. But the reality is my name badge is on show. Yeah. I was saying, wasn't I, that one way to try and get attention is to accidentally turn up to your day job with uh, one of those ice cream things that the ushers carry around the theatre and be like, oh, God, sorry, I've got mixed up. Um, well, what I've been up to not that you yeah, asked. Sorry. Is, what uh, you <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just been on the whole of a lifetime, haven't I? You have indeed. Tell us about this holiday. Oh, you know what? It was sensational. Absolutely loved all three places. Las Vegas, totally bonkers, but mint. Really fell in love with downtown Las Vegas, which is just the grotty, cheap bit. Oh. We did some drunken bingo where if you won, you had to down loads of pints. I didn't win, but I was the person who did win, got so much attention, and she was British. I was fucking whoa. human. Whoa, really whoa, whoa, whoa. annoyed. Um, yeah, Vegas, fabulous. We did that hotel trick where you put $20 in the passports and get an upgrade. I didn't know about this. Well, I didn't either. And the first person who told us, I was like, absolutely not. I'd rather pay $3,000 extra so that I don't have to do that. Um yeah. But then another person said it and another person said it. And then I Googled it. I don't know if it's just Caesar's Palace, but Googled it. And it was like, yeah, do it. So we're in the queue. Neither of us are good at doing stuff like that. But then we just fucking went for it. And she twiddly, twiddly, twiddly on the keyboard and with a massive nails of a class. Oh, I love it. And then she's like, thank you very much for that, guys. And upgraded to it. Like the nicest tower to a studio sweetie thing that had a corner sofa in it. It was mental. So you were actually upgraded. That wasn't just to the room that you'd booked, that, but you'd not seen any pictures no, of? No, because you book a tower, so you know where you are. You know what kind <gasps> of room you're in. So we got put but, into a different tower for $20. Are people are doing that for $20? Yeah, I mean, what I was thinking is they're probably making the bulk of their money out of the casinos. <laughs> so it's probably in their best interest to have people stay there for quite cheaply. But anyway, I didn't really gamble. I just pulled on that rod, as I like to do. Like Phoebe. Yeah, but it was huge, like a massive, big, throbbing rod. Oh, uh, so that was fun. Ching, Tell ching. me more. Didn't win a single time, but I wasn't asked. So that was Vegas. Fabulous. Uh, LA. What? Just lean back a little bit. Oh, is it really loud? <laughs> that was LA. That was Vegas. Fabulous. <laughs> Johnny Vegas. Oh, I love Johnny Vegas. Uh, LA was wonderful as well. Stayed in some rich bitch's pool house. She was probably about 22 and she had all of her friends over the whole weekend. I was just like, oh, your life is so fabulous. My God. As yeah. if, was it like, were you like Ryan Atwood in the OC? Yeah, think of that, but in miniature. Okay. And we're uh, something like uh, 260 yards away from the gay street. 
So that was brilliant. <laughs> Went to all of Lisa Vanderpump's restaurants. Were they good? Re- was the food good? The food was really nice in one of them. Uh, Sir, which is where the film Vanderpump Rules is a bit run down and grotty, I would say. Okay. But like, great. I love grot, grot, grot. <clears throat> I've got a cold <laughs> use. Oh, um, me too. <laughs> yeah, we'll somehow spread it to each other, even though we're 500 miles away. And yeah, right. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills tour. I know you've all been on the edge of your seat waiting to hear how this was. Gagging, gagging for the Gagging. Dogs. It was fabulous. And it was categorically fabulous, 10 out of 10, right? When all of the houses, not, not inside, obviously, basically just <laughs> creeped outside of all the houses, including Kathy Hilton. Oh, no, Kyle's gated, but we went to Kyle's old house. Went to Lisa Rinna's house, which is my favorite one. <sighs> Mint went to the went to the street where the limo pulls over and Kyle outs Kim as an alcoholic. It was just everything that I needed. But use, right? I was walking down the street from our pool house to where he was picking us up, like basically through a bit of Beverly Hills. It was beautiful, beautiful day. And in my head, I sometimes do either stand-up comedy routines or I have interactions with make-believe people where I'm just really making them laugh. So in this particular one, I was imagining that I was the driver of this tour because I thought I would be really good at that except I hate driving. If it was a walking tour. And I was like, what would be the joke that I'd make? Well, I would probably say something like, my name is Paul, I'm from Newcastle. I moved to LA five years ago to become a star. And um, my favorite housewife is Ramona Singer, blah, blah, blah. And I'm straight. And like that would just be like a quick icebreaker because it'd be like, oh, of course you're not fucking straight. He was straight. <laughs> the guy was straight. And I didn't know how to feel about it initially. I've Got a little bit offended. I got my back up slightly. And then I thought, no. I'd be horrified. I'm being really heterophobic here. Uh, <laughs> but I just, it just really took us by surprise because he didn't, you know, I just assumed he was gay. So imagine yeah. a world where it's the opposite way around and you just assume everyone. Usually the places that I go, I just assume everyone's gay. And sometimes I'm shocked mm-hmm. when they're straight. He had a little tash and I thought that was quite, you know, cute gay tash. And he was very good looking, you know. And then... Like gay man. <laughs> like gay men are and then he was driving he's like so guys I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about the origin he wasn't from Texas I can't I can only do Texas I don't know where he's from (laughs) he's gonna tell us a bit about the origins of the tour and he's like I do loads of bespoke tours uh but you would think um what's a heterosexual guy like me doing a Beverly Hills tour and I was like oh my god the homophobe but turns out that he was doing a bespoke tour for this Australian woman and she wanted to go to the Hollywood sign, which you have to hike hours to. So they were together for hours. And he said, how are you like in LA? She said, yeah, it's been brilliant. Love this tour. Really like doing stuff like this. The one thing that's been missing that I couldn't find was a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills tour. He'd never oh, heard you- of it, which again, offensive. Yeah, that he is was offensive. like, right, okay, I can do this. I do tours. So he went home and watched every single episode. And then to be fair to him, got absolutely addicted so his knowledge was was sublime he, he, he knew Second his housewife shit yeah he really knew what he was talking about which made me feel better so at first I thought you're just doing this for the money how dare you but yeah. actually he accidentally has become a huge fan and now he does okay. Vanderpump Rules tours he does yeah he does loads of them and he was really good and, and really he nice. does men now I don't know we tried we fucking tried that was the other thing one of my um 
I was going to say fantasy, that sounds wrong. But I was like, <laughs> I wonder, I was wondering the whole walk. I was like, I wonder if he ever cruises like the people that he picks up on these tours, you know, like uh, in West Hollywood, uh, I don't know, a sexual gay couple, like an, maybe in an open relationship, like perfect, have sex in his SUV. But then I guess you get um, you get women. You'll you'll have women on the tour as well, unfortunately. Um, oh God, straights really do ruin everything. I know they really do. So that was that. L- made LA for me, and then San Fran was stunning. Napa Valley Wine Tour. I'm so jealous of that. It was really fantastic, and I learned to taste the butter in Chardonnay. So now I don't hate Chardonnay as much anymore. Oh, it's supposed to be buttery, apparently. Yeah. No, I can't drink Chardonnay. I drank 10 miniature bottles once on a night out in Copenhagen. <laughs> ABC, anything but Chardonnay. <laughs> oh, what an absolute stunning, life-changing trip. Oh, I feel different. Was. I feel like that was a real seminal point in my life. Yes, yes, absolutely same. And the other thing is, shout out to International Fan because they recommended me a restaurant in Vegas and I went. No and it was- way sensational oh <clears throat> it had the most amazing hash brown i've ever seen in my life did i send you a picture yeah sent me a picture of that yes i should probably put that on instagram because yes. wow, wow 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 it was fantastic but yeah they do I've, know how to hash a brown don't they they really do they fucking know how to hash everything man yeah i, I ate well i ate very did well you, did you eat any grits no anthony said the same thing i don't know what that is it's awful, and I'm glad you didn't. Um, oh. Like eggs and grits, it's like a kind of like a porridgey type thing. It's like oats but gritty. It just it's just awful. Absolutely that sounds awful. fucking minging. You know really what's popular. disappointing though? What? Not, not one celeb did we see. <gasps> oh no! Lisa Vanderpump's that. son works at the restaurant, which I was just surprised at because I thought. That was all just for TV. That is, so, that is really funny that he just does. <laughs> he just actually works there. It's weird. <laughs> I can imagine him just getting his paycheck every month thinking, my mum's a fucking multimillionaire. <laughs> I know. But then I was thinking in my head, like, you're going back. I mean, I guess he lives on his own now, but if you wanted to, you could just pop round to Lisa's house. Mm-hmm. Oh, why don't I know anyone that rich? I was walking down Beverly Hills, looking at the houses and Googling who lived there. And it was like the owner of the... LA Water and, the, and I was like why am I not the owner of LA Water, LA Water. oh that would be good or even just Thames Link yeah okay, no. I went on a, a tour when I was in LA of celebrity houses but they did like old school celebrities so so like Ooh. Marilyn Monroe's house and stuff like that but the thing is about old school celebrities is that the the wealth wasn't quite the same so like mm. Marilyn Monroe lived in like a bungalow oh I was like, you are? And they were like, yeah, yeah, that was Marilyn Monroe's house. I was like, fuck off. No, it weren't. And they were like, mm, no, yeah, it was. You know, that was quite, that wasn't modest back in the day. And I was like, it's shite. <laughs> well, this is where you went wrong. You should have gone and see Kathy Hilton's house. <laughs> I know. This is such a snotty episode. I really wanted I to like bounce back with loads of energy and pizzazz. And, and I mean, basically not <laughs> be the same as we were in the last quarter of series one. Um, and here we we've, are We've both got the lurgy somehow <sighs> It's really doing the rounds I do like I, So I had a team meeting this morning And uh, I did have a croaky voice and, you know, It's always croaky in the morning But mm, by so god fit. did I 
put it on more. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, hello. Oh, <clears throat> sorry, it's the first time I've spoken today. <laughs> like, are you all right, Paul? Mm, yeah, I'm okay. My friends just started working at a nightclub, so she does like ridiculous hours, and her voice is just perpetually. I think it's just changed forever now, actually, because all she does is not sleep and shout over music to drunk teenagers yeah. um, and I saw her for the first time the other day and she was like oh, and I was like whoa 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 whatever you're doing keep it up <laughs> oh legend legend oh well I am glad to be back I mean I wish I could be doing this from LA but <laughs> you just put legend legend will I am <laughs> <laughs> no I think will I am is one of the most overrated people that's ever he's awful I think he's shy he's, he's so, so shy so bad Crap God. Person. um Bring just before action. before we start do you know the song do you know the story about Chalisa in that song Chalisa Chalisa the female boss. boss I mean I don't know if this is really really common knowledge so I'll tell it really quickly but okay. you know how Britney Spears sings that song in British mm-hmm. the reason is because the the initial demos were Chalisa Chalisa wrote a lot of that song Bye. And then Will I Am and her were supposed to do it, I think. And then she was. Oh my just... god! Because they were, were they? That was pre X Factor, wasn't it? It was. Wait, tw- I'd say it was 2011. That song. Yeah. Oh no! So because he did, he used to be a guest judge quite a lot, didn't he? Yeah. So anyway, she got kicked off the song, and then it was released <sighs> and became one of the biggest selling songs of that year, and made hundreds of millions of pounds. To be fair to our Talisa, who I think is a misunderstood human being, and I think was really <laughs> fucking slut shamed to shit, and it ruined her career. And oh my then god, she was. Yeah. She was baited into by someone you know what right oh god I'm getting into a hole here I didn't think we we're gonna go to Lisa but you know what I understand happened with that drugs thing right so uh-huh. she some undercover person who wanted to ruin her mm-hmm. basically asked her if she knew where he could get coke and she gave him a contact and right I'm it. sorry I mm-hmm. don't do coke if someone if someone like important or fit asked me where they could get coke I do know where you can get coke and I could give I could give them like a contact what is Uh, is that why is that career being ruined ruined because of that I thought that was so unfair they they really took her down and the sex video thing was complete slut shaming anyway that was awful yeah the good thing is that I believe she now gets 20% royalties off that song oh thank god she actually won the case bring the cash in Bring the, but that's why it's like bring the, bring the up in the club, all eyes on us. It's like Brittany, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> like, I wonder if she didn't realize she could change it back to her accent. <laughs> of course, she fucking didn't. It's Brittany. She's not well either. And then, final not well person I want to talk about quickly because I've only seen. I think a lot of it happened when I was in America, and I was just in my housewife's bubble. God, they've got Bravo there, obviously. So that was just on constantly. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, just endless, endless, endless. I would have um, left Airbnb. It was hard. Is Kanye, um, I know he's been banned from the Grammys now. What, just give me like the the whistle stop tour of what's been happening there. Well, it's just gone. I mean, I said when we spoke about it the last time that it was out of hand and it's just gone even further and he's called... What's that guy, the um, comedian? I think he's a comedian anyway. And he does like a show. Trevor Noah. <sighs> yeah. The fit one. He... Yeah, really fit. I didn't want to really, really fit. I didn't want to straight up objectify, but here we are. He's so um, fit. He is really fit. Anyway, he basically did this thing where, because his mum was um, 
abused when he was growing up and then eventually was shot. Who, Trevor Lawrence? By, I think, his his dad. Oh, my God. And he just, and he did this, he did this bit basically where he said that throughout the course of his childhood, his mum would go to people for help. And every time they go, well, maybe you're doing this wrong. Maybe you're doing that wrong. Maybe you're doing this. Maybe you should look at the way that you're doing this, whatever, whatever. And then one day his brother called him and said his mum's been shot. Mm. Um, And he's like, the we are watching this happen it's coming towards us we're all we are all aware of it but everyone's just going you know it's Kanye West it's Kanye West like maybe there'll be people doing something about this kind of thing or it's not my problem I can just watch it happen and he was and then he just said and if it's Kim Kardashian that's going through it if she can't get out of it what hope does the everyday woman have I see anyway Kanye West then again attacked him online and was I think he used some racial slurs I didn't actually see the post because now he's been banned from well he was banned from Instagram for 24 hours I know awful she's getting completely it is complete like abuse and it's just online and and everyone's just like oh this is bad isn't it poor Kim oh dear i'd somehow oh, yeah, missed I it i just saw the news story about it but obviously like it didn't have any of the actual things in well i guess this will be this won't come out for a few weeks so god knows what it'll be like when yeah, it actually comes uh, out but yeah oh dear she and she keeps texting him like begging him to stop and stuff and then he posts it online and it's just she's not getting restrained in order or is that not is it harder i'm guessing it's quite hard to get a restraining order and I th- yeah and i think as well um she, I do think from what he's then been posting, which is quite contradictory, he ha- she wants him to see the kids. Like, she doesn't want to completely stop him. Yeah. Oh, that's a horrible position. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just awful. Um, and I've, I've run out of any kind of sympathy that I might have had. Mm-hmm. Too far. Too far, man. Too far. <sighs> Right, oh, bloody hell. Should we talk about this goddamn book? Let's do it. Oh, it's me. <laughs> so, right, use the first book of series two is fan recommendation. Thank you very much to the fan. Rainbow Milk. That's the name of the book, not the fan. Although, what a great name that might be. That would be a good name. Rainbow Milk sounds like a good drag name. So quite a Quite a lot of good dragon in America, by the way. Uh, Rainbow Milk sounds like a Kardashian child. Yes, Rainbow Milk, Kardashian, Jenna. Wow. <laughs> so Rainbow Milk, prize-winning debut. I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is just <laughs> not the filled with pep podcast. I know. And I was getting excited because we're nearly at like next weekend. The clocks are going forward. And like, you're going to be, well, is it next weekend? It's not next weekend. It's the weekend, weekend after. after. I'll be with you. <laughs> Summer's coming. And I was really excited oh. about bringing a bit of that flair to this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> we're in proper winter mode still. I know. Bloody hell. Get me a hot warty. My mom calls it a hottie. A hottie? Where's my hottie? Right. I've got a hot water bottle on my lap right now. Oh, God. And a dressing gown. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Paul Mendez is the name of this author. And let me just read you a little bit about it. So, 
Rainbow Milk is an intersectional coming-of-age story following 19-year-old Jesse McCarthy as he grapples with his racial and sexual identities against the backdrop of a Jehovah's Witness upbringing and the legacies of the Windrush generation. In the Black Country in the 1950s, ex-boxer Norman Alonzo is a determined and humble Jamaican who's moved to Britain with his wife to secure a bright, brighter future for themselves and their grandchildren. So, Windrush. Blighted with unexpected illness and racism, Norman and his family are resilient in the face of such hostilities, but are all too aware that they will need more than just hope to survive. So basically, this blurb isn't weighted very well because this section of the book, which is the 1950s one with Norman, is pretty short. It's, it's mm-hmm. what, 15% of the book, something like that? Yeah. And then we go to the turn of the millennium where Jesse seeks a fresh start in London, escaping from a broken immediate family, a repressive religious community and a desolate, disempowered black country, but finds himself at a loss for a new center of gravity and turns to sex work to create new notions of love, fatherhood and spirituality. Rainbow Milk is a bold exploration of race, class, sexuality, freedom and religion across generations, times and cultures. Paul Mendes is a fervent new writer with an original and urgent voice. Wow. So, yeah, we have the first bit, which is the 1950s, and then the vast majority of this book starts in around 2001, isn't it? It's two, two, but then it does go back to the 9-11, doesn't it? Or is it just in the oh, wake it does. of 9 It does. Yeah. Um, but then we, we end up moving forward to like 2014, something like this. So it's all kind of 21st century mm-hmm. um, after that first little bit. Oh, and we're drinking. Well, so what I decided was that we were going to drink our favorite milkshake with our favorite spirit, which I thought was a super cute idea. Then I realized I don't have a favorite milkshake. I never drink milkshake. So Uh I went for the one that I thought I would like the most, which is vanilla. And my favorite spizzer is Voddy. So I'm having vodka and vanilla milkshake and I'm having it in this nice glass that I found. And it's really rather delicious. Yeah, you you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am drinking, so I made the milkshake with chocolate fudge brownie ice cream. Ooh! And a milk, and then it's not my favourite spirit. I think my favourite spirit probably at the moment is vodka as well, but I just didn't think that would go too nice in this. So I popped in some whiskey and some (laughs) amarula, and I blitzed it all up. Have you had amarula before? We talked about amarula. No. Oh, I'm absolutely buzzing how much of a part of a li- of your life it's become. Yeah, it's a it's a real key a key ingredient of most of my drinks now. Yeah, it's so delicious. Um, okay, fantastic. So, what did you think of Rainbow Milk? Sorry, I'm just swallowing a big glob of ice cream. A glob On of phlegm. The... Oh. <laughs> this is not going to be good for our chests. I know, so, like rich dairy heavy anyway um what did I think on the whole I loved it um I thought the voice was <laughs> brilliant and uh, um Jessie was such a fascinating and intricate and um beautiful character I thought it was like pretty devastating especially this especially that opening sort of couple of chapters where the reader is aware more of the fate than the actual characters because we know about how fucking awful it was 
um and still I mean still is for the Windrush generation um so there was that kind of like heartbreaking dramatic irony yeah and also we got that and that's the very very beginning so it kind of set the tone for the whole book which was pretty heartbreaking even though there were moments that were really funny and Mm -hmm. it's ultimately quite a hopeful and like nice-ish tale I love narratives that jump about in time. I think I mentioned it before, but I really also like long flashback sequences, like any fil- any like film-like qualities in books that are like that. I know like most, not most, but like a lot of people aren't fond of it, but I just love a flashback sequence, mainly because I love um, nostalgia and it just immediately makes me yeah. nostalgic. <clears throat> but I like, I like how flashbacks enable us to figure something out about a character at the same time that they figure it out as well. So it makes that like ah moment of why the current moment is significant, even more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of that, like most of the chapters about Jesse are really it like kind of a bit complicated to follow in a sense, because, and especially I think if you're reading it, it not in a book format, like we do, but we read it on um, devices. So it can just become a bit endless like it goes from something that feels very present day and like it's happening right now and it's difficult to lose the dates because the dates do jump about a lot uh-huh. but then also they spend such a long portion of some chapters in flashback and then you'll jump back to the present moment and and then back again but actually I didn't find any of that frustrating I just enjoyed it and um I think the thing maybe I'll wait to get on to the thing that kind of pissed me off um but I think the thing that it did most successfully and it did loads of things really successfully there was a ongoing and necessary commentary on race um and it was I think it was actually despite despite it being set you know in Birmingham and London throughout these kind of well recent history and present day um it was still quite a fresh take on race still and race racial dynamics and racism there was obviously the religious element because jesse uh grows up a jehovah jehovah's witness but the thing that i thought was the most successful was the sex oh i've put on my notes sex 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 i think it was probably the best sex scenes that i've read yet for any of the books that we've read for the podcast and not because they were really graphic or descriptive which they were but because they were just so frank there was no metaphors used there was no like flowery stand-ins for genitalia it was um is that what you pretty... call yours a flowery stand-in <laughs> I don't know what I call mine I just... <laughs> relative strangers now there's a huge focus in the sex scenes on smells and tastes and sounds and it even though jesse seems you know unfazed at worst enjoying it at best we're always a little bit uncomfortable like i always felt a little bit uncomfortable mainly because some of these sex scenes don't feel like they're going to be safe or or it's just the atmosphere that is built with all these descriptors of like Set of like smells and tastes and sounds and stuff like that that we almost feel this discomfort with it whereas Jesse doesn't but I think it was really like powerful in how 
subconsciously that was obviously something that was happening to him these because he he moves to London and becomes like a rent boy like I said it's seemingly unfazed but the focus of the narrative on these and it's a close close third the focus of the narrative on these kind of quite um uncomfortable moments then is like compounded later in the book when he's much more comfortable with himself and his life and we don't get any sex and it's obviously this thing that subconsciously has brought him like a lot of discomfort in his life and and it's frank and it's shameless but it's not not shameless in the way that ignores how shame can fester and then build in those kind of like moments in someone's life I thought yeah it was just a really honest portrayal of that kind of life I think I've said on the podcast before, well, I definitely have, that I'm sick of the parent-child trope in queer fiction where it's like, my parents don't like me because I'm gay. But yeah. that was so important to this narrative that I, d- I wasn't bothered about that. He's, his dad, well, he has a stepdad who doesn't care about him and he has a mom who abuses him basically and she's a Jehovah's Witness and she can sense and she can see that he's not, that he's gay basically and, and that doesn't go very well and that's why he moves to London. Um, but yeah, the sex was so, so important to this book because it shows how such a repressive and abusive childhood can manifest in in later life. And it just made me think of like, you know, parents who are super strict and then their kids rebel. The kids that go out, and, yeah, sneak up. Yeah, I mean, he went from one extreme to the other mm-hmm. within the blink of an eye and he kind of didn't look back for a long time. And yeah, I think you're right, it didn't... There, there didn't appear to be that much shame attached to it in at least at the beginning, which was just a really interesting way of looking at it because he was he and you know he was a virgin who believed that he believed everything that he was supposed to as a Jehovah's Witness, and then all of a sudden he's shagging kind of old men for money in rough parts of London, and but he's, he's there's something so adventurous about it. You, you feel like he's on an adventure. And even though he's, he's putting himself in probably unsafe positions, I don't even know what the point is I'm trying to make, but it just felt well, like an adventure. Yeah, but it felt important that we were the ones doing the worrying on his behalf. Yeah, yeah. It felt like that was something that was we were supposed to pick up on that because he did all of these things and it seemed reckless. And when we first go to that, part of the book where Jesse's moved to London um I think he has he's going to have sex with some man who then asks him if he practices safe sex and has ever been tested for any STIs and he's like what um and we're like immediately from the off then we're like oh for god's sake it's like we're gonna have to I don't know it felt like we were given all of this responsibility for him and it was just stressful but it meant that the like the payoff or the the release was like worth it like I don't know it felt much more of an organic way to come to like care about a character than them being worried about themselves instead it was left down to us because we were like oh my Mm. god this night kid has just gone to London and is shagging around and he's never had sex and now that he's a, a sex worker and and then yeah like when it when it gets into the sort of I'm just gonna say for ease the last third of the novel and he's having safe sex with someone that he loves, it's barely mentioned, let alone described. We don't get any sex scenes in the latter third. And that's obviously because he's reached a point now where subconsciously that doesn't doesn't weigh on him. Mm -hmm. 
because it wasn't the narrative voice was almost his stream of consciousness like it that, that was one of my issues with it was that it kind of dipped in and out a little bit too much I felt between that close third and omniscient third but on the whole it felt like we were focusing on the things that we, you know he wanted us to focus on yeah that sex was a hu- like hugely important even though he was treating it quite flippantly yeah and there's something that happens that we can't we won't talk about because it is a spoiler but just to make the point that there's something very there's something that happens and (laughs) if you're not concentrating it could almost pass you by they don't spend very much time on it which I thought was a strange but not necessarily unwelcome choice by the author um it was basically a traumatic experience but that didn't become the focus of the book Mm -hmm in and of itself it obviously became the focus in other ways and it manifested in other ways but I I almost had to like go back and be like hang on a second what was what just happened there yeah I think that's one of these a lot of the the way that this was written was retrospectively even the present even the present moment stuff which is it did become a little bit like convoluted it felt I don't know because I thought it was brilliant and I thought that the voice was really strong and all of these kind of like good technical things about it but it did feel like it just was lacking maybe one last edit where that was like neatened up a tiny bit because even the things that had happened like say in present day had happened 20 minutes ago so we were getting almost at the beginning of a chapter we were catching up with what's just happened and then we get exactly why Jesse's feeling the way that he's feeling right now and then we jump into a flashback sequence and it's like why now his mood in this present moment is significant again because of something that happened to him when he was a young boy living with an abusive mother or whatever and then it comes back around to that moment and but then as we've been in the flashback sequence he's moved forward again and we're left to catch up with him again and it just felt like we were yeah especially in the middle third I felt like a lot of it was like I have no fucking clue what time zone (laughs) I'm in (laughs) And I think my biggest like gripe with the whole thing was the pacing. I thought the pacing was abominable. <laughs> really? <laughs> to the point where if it wasn't such a good book in so many other ways and Jesse wasn't so likable. And and I say pacing like it's, you know, like it took me a long time to as in like it was a slog. It wasn't. I read it in two days and I couldn't stop like thinking about it when I wasn't reading it I really Mm. enjoyed the story but I just think if we're gonna like section it off which is kind of how it is presented it was that the sections were completely wrong for the whole story that we eventually get of this boy in his life the wrong moments were highlighted and I said it about the promise like I love it when things jump into the future and we're left with years and years of history and, and somebody's changed and whatever and then you're left to kind of figure out those changes that does happen in this book it jumps I mean it jumps from when he's a boy to when he's a teenager or no sorry from the sort of the original um, family that we see to then Jesse and then it jumps again but in Jesse's narrative 14 years into the future I think or 12 or something like that and and I was like, oh, yes, this is going to be heartbreaking. We're going to find out all of these things and we're going to experience, like we're going to just be thrown in. But actually it was like the whole last third was this really, without spoiling it, like really long, not even resolution. It was like the resolution had happened. And it was like we were in this really long sort of calm down bit after 
like a peak like I don't know I can't it just I know I totally know what you mean it it was you wouldn't have guessed that it was going to go there what I really enjoyed about that last third was I think Paul Mendes did an incredible job of writing somebody who'd grown up by approximately 14 years so to think about a character and think what what will they be like in 14 years well they'll be the same person but they'll have learned this and they'll have changed this and they'll have this quirk and and I was really fascinated reading him 14 years later. One of the things I loved, which again might have been one of the issues for you because it was a ridiculously long section, was yeah. him doing a shift at work. And he no, he, I loved that. I oh, loved did you? He worked in a restaurant and he'd done this trial shift in a restaurant 14 years earlier and just absolutely fucked it. And then he'd been working in this restaurant for a few years and he clearly took such pride in working in this restaurant and was really pissed off that all the youngsters were just not asked about it. And yeah. there's a scene of him making a coffee and he, I don't know if it was more fun because I used to have to make coffees in the same way, but goes through every single aspect of making a coffee, you know, no, I loved in, that. in yeah. quite a lot of detail. And I was like, so you focused loads of time on this, but not on the huge traumatic thing that happened earlier in his life, but it didn't, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it. I, yeah. I do, yeah I think it was less in that sense like all of the sections I found very readable and I was invested in them I think there was one moment that actually I thought went on for too long and was long purely for the sake of trying to make it significant to us okay uh, and I was like it's happened in a day right no I can um, I can understand that the thing about that section as well without spoiling it is that I've said before that like it feels a bit tedious when you read um work by writers who are just writers because all of their characters are writers and again he's a writer yeah if they're not successful writers they're aspiring writers and we have one of each in this one yeah all of their mates are writers and stuff like that and it's really and it's I always think books are better when someone's gone and had a career and then yeah. can write about that and usually it's just one really fucking knowledgeable book on that specific subject yeah it was almost as though Paul Mendes knew that this was a trope that people fall into that writers write about writers and then was trying so desperately hard to sidestep it by giving them all of these like niche sort of hobbies as well and like they're all hugely into music and into really different types of music and there was one chapter that just went on and on and on about like that sort of 1970 well late 70s early 80s rock slash electronic mute and like that interchange in time and, and like joy division everything like that and I was like oh we get it you've wikipedia'd joy division like you don't need to tell me all of this information I get it your character has a hobby <laughs> yeah what I'd really loved though was the the early noughties R&B obsession See that because I bought that Jesse had because you could tell it was so true exactly like, like I sugar babes had that knowledge before writing this book yeah whereas if everything else was knowledge that he'd acquired to write this book yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he was walking into a gay bar to freak like me by sugar babes I was like right I'm there I am there yeah. and he talked uh-huh. about like Lisa Mafia I never thought I'd read Lisa Mafia <laughs> in a literary fiction novel I mean it was great and just so nostalgic and I mean possibly my favorite part of the whole book was where He's kind of aimlessly walking around London trying to find gay people. Doesn't mm-hmm. know where he is. He's got no money. He's basically homeless. And then he's, and I think it's more fun because I live in London and I can picture exactly where he was. 
Yeah. And he's sitting on a side street in Soho and he sees two men holding hands and he's just Oh my like, god, yeah. Oh my god, I've never seen this before. And I think one of them's black as well. And he's like much less a black man holding a man's hand. And he just sort of follows them and ends up on Old Compton Street. That but he doesn't yeah. know it's Old Compton Street. And he's like, and there's Ed's e- Easy Diner, a 50s diner, and then I walk past a barn. It's and it, oh, I walk past the Prince Edward Theatre and it's showing, I can't remember what it was. And then a bar that says G-A-Y and I was like oh my god babe every weekend but also the first time that I did that I remember uh-huh. I'd come to London actually ironic I don't really know what irony is I was gonna say ironically to audition to have an interview at Queen Mary but I didn't end up going until like five years later and I never thought I was gonna go is that ironic no no is it it's just a thing isn't it so anyway I basically I went, when I was 18, went to Queen Mary to have an interview, knowing fine well that I was, I say fine well, it's full well, isn't it? Knowing full well that I wasn't going to go there, but I just wanted to go to London. I think that is ironic, because then I ended up going there five years later, and now I live in London. Um, Should we ask Alana Smarset? Well, she didn't fucking know either. <laughs> anyway, this is not the point of the story. And Anthony was auditioning for a dance school. Oh, God, sorry. Let's <laughs> do one more quick sneezelini. I know, and my nose is running. I've, <laughs> because I, my mouth's filled with chocolate fudge brownie and I can't breathe out my nose. I'm having a fucking nightmare. <laughs> oh, sorry, everyone. Uh, so, oh, wait a sec. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had a thingy here at his audition. We went to Soho. I think we were 18. I think we were just old enough to do it. Oh, maybe it was when we were even younger, maybe 17. And we're sitting in Compton's, which is the bar where he has sex with someone in the toilet, which is now, I know, an old man bar. Anyway, me and Anthony sitting in there with our fucking pints of fruity cider, shitting ourselves, but just in, I just so excited and then went to JY. You know when you know when you don't know somewhere, so you go to bars at all the wrong times. Yeah. So going oh. to like JY in the middle of the day. I just love, I love that. You know, when you go in somewhere for the first time, but you know you're going to go, you know that it's going to become familiar. So you try and remember it, how it feels when it's new. Yes. And that right. he does such a good job of that. Yeah, he really does. I was just so there with him. And it is it's just so satisfying reading about places that you, that you recognise. Um, and I guess for us, it is beginning to, it is beginning to dip into nostalgia, isn't it? We have frequented GAY many times together, but actually... At the beginning of this decade, well, closer to the beginning of this. Oh God! Well, the last decade. Yeah. Like Ten I mean... years ago. <laughs> Bless you. Well, that with Anthony was probably thirteen years ago. My God. Uh, but but I really loved this book. I think you're right. I, I kept we kept saying to each other, God, it's a slog to get through this because we've like, sorry guys, but we've been actually no, you you should be thankful we've been picking short books because I'm not <laughs> reading like a little life in a week. Sorry. <laughs> I've um, not been in life full stop ever again me neither but just got a new one that's just as fucking huge I know I do I am quite tempted but anyway the next break um and yeah so it's like 300 and something pages but it took ages like it took basically my whole flight oh bless you my whole flight I only watched half a film on the flight there it's gonna be so hard to edit <laughs> yeah it is what was the half film that you watched by the way King Richard, and then I watched the rest on the way back. It's really good. King Richard with uh, Timothy. No, King Richard, as in Serena Williams' dad and Venus. Oh, Will Smith. Yes, he oh, was in I've something King, though. Yeah, 
Yeah, awesome. it was really good. And then I watched Last Night in Soho. Is that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Again, just a thing. I watched Last Night in Soho. And, yeah, that's not ironic. I chose to watch it. And it was weird. It was real yes. weird. That I liked is... it. Three and a half stars, I'd give it. Um, who's in there? I knew Taylor Joy's in it, but I thought she was going to be the lead and she's really not. Sorry, that's the one that goes back in time, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was um... good. But yeah, so the main one of the reasons I read this book is because the fan said, I've been meaning to read this book, but I want someone else to read it first to tell me if I should read it. And I wholeheartedly believe that you should. Don't expect it to be really short. No, Because it's not. <laughs> but it's I think... absolutely not YA either. It's not meant to be. Why? In my head, I thought, it, I'm sure. Jesus Christ, can you imagine if they marketed that to children? Well, this is, I thought you'd said in the end of the last one it's a YA book so when I started reading it I was thinking fuck off man I'm not I I'm said no that kid. I've got it totally wrong read this <laughs> I was like this would have ruined my life as a teenager I know my god um one thing we haven't really just really quickly at the end his writing is so brilliant in places so I'm gonna try oh and find god, some things yeah I've highlighted some things I loved this quote about because I think well I'll just read it uh-huh poor white people don't get the right information because the establishment oh oh, I've just realized I thought there was a grammatical error no the first part of the book is written in dialect so it's written in the grammar that the guy would speak in it took me a while to tune to it do you remember poor white people don't get the right information because the establishment afraid they might join we because they are ignorant, they take out their frustration and unfulfillment on peaceful, willing immigrants like Claudette, me, and the rest of we from the West Indies. All of we work so hard, all of we face persecution. They can't understand that they get forsake just like we get forsake, that we both get raised by downtrodden mother and neglectful father. And I loved that because there is just such this thing in the political elite to pit against, to pit white working class people against essentially mm-hmm. immigrant working class people, black, whatever. And all it does is destroy both sides. And that is, in yeah. you know, that's the whole point. That's what they want to happen. They want these two completely oppressed, disenfranchised communities to hate one another so that they aren't then focusing on the establishment. And he's exactly. just this wise old guy, black guy who's come over from Windrush is saying, we are the fucking same. Like whether you're white working class or whether I'm from the West Indies, we both had the neglectful father, the whatever, like we should be working together here. But and it's when he realizes the lie that he's been sold as this Windrush generation and how jaded he quickly becomes when he realizes, oh, right, they've sold me this. But really, they just want my essential, essentially slave labor. And I'm being treated absolutely terribly. And I think it still exists in, in almost exactly the same way now. And I think that was just a really great way to put it. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, this is um, when they're talking about a literary competition. Oh um, yeah, and it says Jesse saw that they gave the prize to a woman of most faint pastel-like color, a new, a nearly white woman from Notting Hill, whose story the majority of the judges, being overwhelmingly white, upper middle class, and highly educated, could use to ask themselves those difficult questions about race without confronting spilled black blood. I was like, fucking. <laughs> yeah my god cutting comments on class yeah. and commentary and yeah. sexuality. but also then it like interspersed this such i get like almost cuttingly brilliant mm-hmm. intelligent prose where 
we've said it about most people whose books we've read that just yeah. the absolute they're the one in control do you know what i mean like there's just no argument to be had with it yes yeah Sean Pei. Um, he's so good at setting i think and conjuring a really very quickly a really vivid sense of place particularly in london you can tell that he cares well, he, he about london so much on like this like the smell and the, yeah the taste and the touch so of i've got one here I love this line. A thin, tacky layer of historic spilt milkshake keeps Jesse Lemaire's sandals on the ground a millisecond longer than is reasonable. And that's just like your feet stick to the floor a little bit. I just love the way he said it. And he almost decides to walk to Brockwell to avoid the sweaty bus and imagines a path in avoidance of the yellows of Amnesty International charity fundraisers. He's already a direct debit supporter, but finds himself locked behind an elderly woman with a pull-along trolley, then a younger woman with three kids and a buggy. The 35 bus stops to let 20 people off and 30 on, giving him more time to appreciate the smells of the flowers on the truck in front of the station, raw meat from the butchers on Electric Avenue, Brixton we're in, southern fried chicken from KFC and beef patties from the refill eatery on Brighton Terrace. The number three is due in one minute. I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, I'm in Brixton. Like, And it's yeah. it's the different smells of the different flavours of food. It's the gentrification mm-hmm. with the woman with the buggy, but then it's the elderly woman and it's the it's just this melting pot that Brixton is and Electric Avenue, which is so historic. It's just, mm-hmm. it's it's a masterclass in yeah, creating is. a sense of setting, I think. And just the way that, yeah, these little tiny moments are like blown up. Because in the way that they're written as well in these like run-on sentences, so it is like this really speedy just stream of consciousness and you're like fully mm-hmm. in the in the second with him there's just mm. this one as well where he's at a dinner party and he's with someone that he doesn't like or mm. history with and um this person's wife is being a complete arsehole. oh yeah and there's just this one line and he says he desperately wants to tell name about his history with name but feels for the sake of the evening that he'll have to keep his mouth shut difficult when so many varied provocations are making it so slippery wet Oh, oh. God, like, you know, when you, your mouth, when you've just had a bit too much, like, yeah. I am seconds away from ruining your night. <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, really, br- there were some like punchy and snappy, but then still quite long, like moments that were yeah. just like a real feast to read. Mm. It's like, oh, yes, I'm in this moment with you. A I feast feel- to read. That's yeah. exactly right. I was going to say readable, but that just sounds like a really shit. Oh, it's super, <laughs> it was very readable. I remember when I got <laughs> feedback from a interview that said I was a competent candidate I was like you may as oh, well just okay. said I was shit you may as well just said you were a candidate you were there <laughs> yeah you were a candidate. I can confirm Paul was a candidate <laughs> you um, showed up <laughs> so yeah this book shortlisted for the Pol- Polari first book prize which is an LGBT prize Desmond Elliott prize Jalak prize British book awards debut book of the year shortlist brilliant book and a glorious opening to series two and yes international fan you should read this book if nothing else, for the beautiful cover. Uh-huh. Gorgeous. Um, so, yeah. Thank you very much, Paul Mendez. Great name. <laughs> See, Paul Mendez is fine. Yeah. Paul Webb. Paul Webb. <laughs> can I just tell you something that I've done for attention? Yes. Actually, I can tell you something that's going to get me attention and something that I've done for attention. So, just browsing through Netflix, like no biggie and there's a film called united with david tennant and someone who i think has become quite famous now and is quite fit let me just is it get quite it. an old film 10 years is it about Manchester 2011 
Yeah, it's Jack O'Connell. I love Jack O'Connell. Well, I am going to tell you who is in United. Jack O'Connell. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. But I, for the listener, Paul pointed uh, at himself. Yeah, so there is, I mean... Are you joking? Why have you kept this from joking. me? Do you know Because I like about? to bring them up. Yeah. Like, I like yeah, yeah, to keep, yeah. keep them and bring them out when I need them, right? I like that one day when you're 80 and I'm 35, you might just go, oh, I'm an Oscar. And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh... I'm in multiple scenes. I mean, I'd say there's only one when you can make it out that it's me. Uh, one of them, I'm walk. I'm in a scene with Tim Healy where I'm walking from the bar, but I just crossed the camera so it could be anyone. And then there's a scene where I'm crying at a funeral and I was giving it my all. They put tear stick on my eyes. They were burning. I was like, this, this is it. I'm going to get not an, several nominations. I'm going to be traveling around the North American awards circuit. Um, But I just got slightly cut out of that one. (laughs) But (laughs) there's one where you can see it. It's me plain as day. I'll I'll tell you what what part of it it is. Uh, And then I'm leaning against a car, crying. It's quite moving, quite moving. Were you like a recurring extra in terms of like the same character? Were they just using you over and over again? I mean, I didn't really have a storyline, I wouldn't say. Which, were you on the credits as, like, boy at bar, Paul Webb? Boy playing a funeral, Paul Webb? Boy playing against car, Paul Webb? Sadly, I didn't have a big enough role to be in the credits. But fun fact, the part the part with all the dead bodies was filmed in my school gym. Weird. Uh, and dead bodies in United? Yeah, because it was a plane crash. Killed eight Manchester United players. Maybe you should just watch it and then you'll spot me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Wait, hang on. I didn't know about this. It's in the 50s, I think. Um, and another fun fact. So I used to yeah. have Spaniel hair when I was in school. I had big, long, curly Spaniel hair. Yes. yes so it was when I did United and I had to sit in the trailer and get my hair cut like a 50s <gasps> person. Sitting next to David Tennant, I'll have you know. And that oh, was what, what the fuck? <laughs> that was when I had my hair cut short for the first time. Almost, I almost don't believe you. Well, I've, I took his E, me and Michael. I was like, he was on Netflix and I went, I'm in that. He was like, what are you on about? I was like, I swear I'm in that. <laughs> so I was fast forwarding And Michael it. didn't even know. Nah, fast forwarding right. it really, really slowly, 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 slowly. Went through the whole film, couldn't find it. Went all the way back, couldn't find it. So then I had to sit on the computer until I finally found it. He was like, I, he was like, I don't believe you. It's like, I'm not making it up. Right, I'm telling you what I'm going to do right now is... Right, I'm on the screen right now. Right, I'm gonna just take a picture and send it to you. Just tell me, yeah, and also give me as proof. I just want to know what minute you were in. Also, I've started writing with a pen, a red pen. Is that bad? Red pen. I said a pen. A a red pen at work because I just think it's sexy. Oh, it is. I get teacher. I get teacher. So go on. What what minute? Uh, this part is at forty five forty five. I've Whoa. just sent you. I've just oh, sent know, you a picture. I'm just jotting it down because I just want to. I actually, me. if I do see so myself, that's a good angle on me. I'm not. Oh, here we go. Fuck off! You, what, are you joking? You look so fit. You're you like Harry Styles. You know what's really annoying though? I was 19. How sad <gasps> is that? Are you? That's like that's got my that's got my heart going in a way that it's not in a while. You know. That little side profile of you. 
Right, but you know what's really mad? Showing it back to you. Definitely got a good side, right? My good side is that side. So what's really good, and I encourage your viewers to go to 4545 and see my outstanding performance in this film. But so I've got that scene where it's my good side, and I'm like, four. I'd give I'd give myself one. And then the next scene, I'm facing the other way. So it's like the exact opposite profile. And I look four times the size and just like a completely different person. It's so weird. Oh, well, at least it's that, at least it's that version of you on film in the first place. True. I'm actually gonna send you the other side because it's quite it's quite funny. Like if you compare them. (laughs) Also, I'm saying this as though you're not a fit person, but like that's next level, man. That's I know, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I know exactly looking? how fit I am. You no, still but... look fit in this one. I mean, no, not the first fit, one's but... the fit. The first one, I look like genuinely from the fifties. You look like Harry Styles. Oh God, I've aged, man. Well, yeah, because it was eleven years ago. I know, but I just don't like that time passes. Oh, <laughs> well, I've got bad news for you, honey. No, I know. Um, uh, you still look fucking fit in this one as well. Thanks, babes. The other thing, I, well, the thing that I did for attention this week was I've joined another research study. Remember how I got that MRIs for attention? Well, this time, 225 quid, mind you, but I didn't realise it's for five months. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, what does that work out as, like, per day? What's your hourly pay? Probably, like, 10 pence. So I had to go to this... Ex- <laughs> Jesus, we're so minging. I had to go to this exercise studio and do all kinds of physical things. I had to run on a treadmill until I reached my, I want to say terminal velocity, but that's not the right word. It was like until <laughs> until my uh, my intake of oxygen had reached its maximum or something. So I'd do okay. that, which was horrible. And then I'd, it was in the morning and I running, I get run as poo. Like when you run, you just need to poo. And after I was I like, no, I don't run. <laughs> so it was really hard because I was like, on the treadmill thinking I could probably do a bit more here and I really want to impress her but I need a poo so I thought <laughs> do I what's worse her thinking that I'm not as fit as I am and shitting and, and shitting in the toilet or her thinking I'm really really fit and committed but shitting myself so I went for that I know I went I went to the toilet I did she was lovely she was from San Francisco I just got back from San Francisco Whoa. anyway part of this thing is I have to eat all I have to eat pretzels like which I don't really like the like little pretzely things. She said they're unsalted. They're definitely salted. The cr- the crunchy ones, crunchy plain ones, yeah. Oh, As in plain, P L A N E, for eight weeks, and then see how that affects me exercise. And then eat almonds. And I thought, fine, I can eat a bag of pretzels a day. So she gives us me month supply. I have never seen so many pretzels in my life. I've got to eat a massive fucking brag of pretzels every day. Have you counted how many there are weeks. yet? Well, I've only got a month's supply. I've got to go back after a month. I this weighed all, them and it's only 90 Psychologically grand. awful, Paul. I don't I think you've considered the psychological damage. You will dream of pretzels. I like feel sick already. You'll be eating something else and you'll just be able to taste pretzel. My lips are chapped from the salt. It's day yeah, three. Yeah, I can imagine. You, you know in The Outsiders when all they eat for five days is bologna sandwiches yeah. and then afterwards people are trying to give them different food and they're like, don't stop giving me bologna. That's going to be you. And they did that for five days and it was fictional. <laughs> oh, MJ. But then I thought, because it like? says in the participant information sheet, which I have signed and dated, that yeah. they're plain and they've got rock salt on them. So... 
You're just going to fuck your kidneys this way. I know. Then. I'm worried about my salt intake. Do you think it's, Michael's like, ask her how much salt is in it, but I don't want to be a prick and be like, can you just tell me the nutritional content of these pretzels? Do it. Maybe it's one of, maybe it's one of these, um, you know, like the Stanford prison experiment. Maybe it's actually a psychological oh. experiment where you're just going to eat these pretzels and slowly they're going to become laced with arsenic and taste like shite, but you're just going to do it because someone in a white coat told you to. I'm really, really aroused. <laughs> yeah, because you'll be that fucking pet. Everyone else will at some point have like, tapped out and be like, be like, one patient out of 100 got to the end of the trial and died of kidney failure. <laughs> See, if I could, if I believed in ghosts and I wholeheartedly believed that I was going to be a ghost after I died and I could go and watch all of the attention that I'd be posthumously getting after that, oh, no. I think yeah. I would do it. Yeah, same, same. If we could be together as little ghosties flying around. Oh, God. But imagine how gutted we'd be when we realised we couldn't drink. Mm. You know, like Patrick Swayze in Ghost. <laughs> yeah. When he realises the ghost and he's fucking fuming about it. Yeah. Yeah, take it all back. I'd rather drink. Yeah. yeah. Bring the doctor and say, these have got salt on them, you fucking liar. Ooh. Maybe <laughs> I will. I'm a famous film star, you know, 45, 45. You might have seen me in. <laughs> oh if you've got jack o'connell's number by any chance i mean you'll see his original teeth in this number oh no yeah i mean they're fine i like dodgy teeth but i do I and didn't... actually the teeth that he had when he was in skins then i'm fine with that oh then there must be because it was 2011 yeah oh yeah yeah, God, yeah don't like it when people suddenly have these big fake gnashes yeah although sometimes i think it's really funny like bob mortimer have you seen bob mortimer's mouth you know Oh my god, it's so funny. And it's because the reason he's got one big fake veneer. Because he had 16 sugars in his tea. Yeah. What was that on off menu? 18 sugars in his coffee every day, and then he had to wean himself off. So like because he when he did that podcast, he put something like seven sugars in his coffee, and they were like, What the fuck is wrong with you? And he was like, uh back on a diet. (laughs) Yeah, I remember hearing that. That That's class. I love Bob Morse. It was so much. Um, oh shit, we need to do next week's book <gasps> and drink okay that's my job isn't it next week we are reading the memoir of man booker prize winning author bernardine <laughs> everisto i'm just googling manifesto and it's called manifesto on never giving up and you may have heard of good old bernie from girl woman other which is the book that won her the man booker it was the i think the same year that it was a jewel winner wasn't it margaret atwood won it for estimates the, yeah i've not actually read my girl woman other it's but stunning you loved it didn't you so love it i maybe should give that a go as well i know nothing about her i know i haven't started the memoir yet um so based on girl woman other I think because at my birthday <laughs> a few weeks ago, there were lots of girl and womans there and every single one of them was drinking skinny bitches. <laughs> I'm just going to go with a skinny bitch. Skinny bitch. Because I'm still working my way through these bottles of soda. Is it basically vodka lime and soda? Yeah, vodka lime soda. Let's do a, a vodka lime sods. Absolutely lovely. I love that. What a great choice and it's a that's like a serious drink and this feels like it's going to be a serious book and 
Do you know what I mean? I've already finished it and oh fuck's sake for attention, but really enjoyed it. And I didn't know anything about her either. And she's interesting as fuck. That's all I say. All right. Well, yeah. That do you know what happens after you drink ten skinny bitches? Just pure joy. You become interesting as fuck. <sighs> no matter who you are. <laughs> wow. Bless you. Oh God, use. I'm so sorry about the snotty, snotty air. This wasn't what we dreamed of for series two, episode one. But you know, can't help it. <clears throat> We're back with a bang and a cough. We're back with hard chunks of phlegm in the morning. Oh, just learnt are called. Hang on. We clearly learnt it. Yeah, they're called Qatar. Qatar, like the United yeah. Arab Emirate. Did you not know that? No. No. Chester. Why would I know that? I just thought everyone did. He's uh. when I'm sick, my mum says. And what colour is your Qatar? Oh, it's because your mum's a nurse, that's why. I've never heard Qatar. And you'll learn some words off Bernadine. I stopped Googling them after a while, but she throws some words in that I've, I've never heard of. But it's, like, go- it's worth Googling them because you're like, oh, fucking hell, that's a good word. So I, I recommend. Yeah, I think since On not the- doing the podcast, I'm being ill I've been I've been changing words up quite significantly like using mm. completely the wrong words quite confidently in the wrong context and also people's names like I've got a friend called David who is probably going to listen to this podcast and is going to find out for the first time that when he's not there I call him David and it's not for any other reason than the fact that it's spelled the same David. and when I just say David and then he, people are like who the fuck are you talking about and I just keep doing it with everyone's names. Absolute twat is what you are. I know. Maybe I've had some kind of stroke. No, no stroke. Um, so fabulous. Okay. Yeah. We will see you next week for two 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 series two episode two. <gasps> two 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 two. See you for double two, bitches. <laughs> Bye. Bye.